Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for February 27th, 2022, Year C, Transfiguration Sunday. It's the most Harry Potter day of the year. Oh, I (laughs) like this. In the church. Yeah, yeah, I like this. Uh, uh, And we're coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing fine. So if you were a Harry Potter character... What would who would you be? Oh, that's a tough one. I've, I mean, everyone wants to see themselves in Harry, right? But yeah, I always that's the easy. I answer. always thought Harry always like with any good mystery story always made that error that like I'd never do that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Goodness sake, get a wizard in here. <laughs> so I'd be more like um, his redheaded friend, Ron, Ron, Ron Weasley. Um, the think, one, the one who is is like never ready for things. Yeah, and and was turned into a rat. Like, <laughs> got it. Got somehow it. Somehow that it. seemed familiar. Or um, <laughs> oh, the uh, gamekeeper. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You're you're a wizard, Harry uh, guy. The uh, Hagrid. 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 Yes. In part not the see- not not the guy with the creepy the creepy guy with the cat. Whatever no, his name no. is. <laughs> But Hagrid, in part because he has his own house. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. And a lover of animals. I mean, yeah. yeah this oh, fits. yeah. This yeah. Fits. I could really, I could see myself, you know, harboring a dragon illegally. Oh, sort of yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who I would be. Uh, uh, I would. Uh, did anyone ask? No. No one did. No one did. And, <laughs> okay. and we'll move who, on. Who would you be? On this I have no. I, I actually don't know. Yeah. As it, on this Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, as I transfigure into a Harry Potter character of my choosing, uh, the the one that rings truest. I don't know. I'm a mixture. I'm a good mixture. I'm a little bit. I'm not the book nerd, but I'm like a a a, 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 a steadfast nerdy type uh, that, that, mm-hmm. that mirrors a little bit of Hermione, but not in like not in the not not in the. Uh, text-based like class-based sense that's just not my jam um uh i also have a little bit of ron in me and the procrastination and and uh, side i was thinking more of his loyalty oh there you go there you go uh and i don't know who the uh like who's the who's the outgoing outspoken character in the in in the the show Uh, oh you could be one of um ron's brothers yeah there you go there you go i'd be one of the twins yeah or both of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah george and george and i'm not i'm not i'm not a good enough harry potter fan i I have outed myself um (laughs) georgie and porgy uh copyright a different a different a different reference (laughs) yeah copyright as we're talking harry potter don't sue us, Warner Brothers. We make no money on this podcast. That's right. Um, well, um, yeah, this week, Transfiguration Sunday is a, a big deal. This is like the end of... Uh, season after the, Epiphany. The, the season of Epiphany. The season of Epiphany. Yeah. Um, I suppose we, sh- it'd be, we, should, uh, we should say that um, uh, the Epiphany never ends. So Yes, we should. I'm <laughs> glad you did. <laughs> The season will end, but the epiphanies—the epiphanies should continue. They're ongoing. Ongoing. Um, uh, So Transfiguration uh, Sunday. What do we have? uh, What's like going on in the church? Do we have any uh, special activities that are that are partnered with uh, Transfiguration Sunday? 
Are you are you putting on like a magic show? Like what are we doing? <laughs> what are we? What's uh? Well, what's going on? I, I love that paper that just goes up in flame. But no, I'm not using it. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have this coming Sunday uh, newcomers orientation. Mm. Um, Anyone's welcome to attend. That'll be oh, after so the ten o'clock service. Uh, after the ten o'clock service, yeah. okay. So, so individuals who attend would transfigure from newcomer to oriented, old newcomer. <laughs> yeah, oriented. <laughs> oriented. I like it. <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, cool. Uh, and and uh, we still have other uh, other stuff yeah. going on. The the, the before, the adult forum is when? When well, is their next? Uh, this coming Sunday, adult forum is talking about the second half of the Book of Ruth. Okay, Ooh. and Book of Ruth's one of the shortest books in the Bible, mm-hmm. and one of the longest stories. Yeah, it's a great story. It is. It's so, uh, I think last week we touched on one of the other great long stories uh, in in the uh, the story of Joseph. Uh, that uh, one's longer, I think. Yeah, that was that one's longer, but. Yeah. It doesn't have its own book. Yeah, but it's no Ruth. I mean, yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> so, so that's check, worth checking out. We have this week before Transfiguration Sunday uh, on Wednesday a discussion of Twelve Years a Slave, mm-hmm. uh, Academy Award winning movie, and a week from this Wednesday, no, a week from this Tuesday is. The Pancake Supper, and therefore a week from this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday already. That's crazy. It's yeah, years going quickly. Ah, wow. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of things going on. I, I would assume, I, I would venture a guess that it's safe to assume that if someone wanted to learn more, they could go to HolyFamilyFishers.org. They could learn so much, more. so much more. Uh, details. So, so much. So Times, great details. Places. <laughs> Accurate information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's let's move to our segment this day in church history. Uh, <laughs> as we uh, uh, delve into some of the, uh, the the cataloged events that are associated with February twenty seventh uh, uh, in the church calendar, uh, we start today in fifteen thirty six, uh, and that sees the first Helvetic convention convention. Confession. If I say the right word, then the meaning then the meaning uh, applies better. The first Helvetic confession, also known as the Second Basil Confession, so many so many terms here, drafted by Heinrich Bullinger and Leo Judd, and what was the year? Fifteen thirty six. Okay, and is adopted by Swiss reformers at Basel. Oh, that's why it's called Basel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, I I was thinking of Saint Basil. Oh, okay. Was one of the Cappadocian fathers. Right. No, this wrote is the, hundreds of years before. This is based on the location. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, which was probably named for him. Yeah. yeah oh, that's probably true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they just really liked the spice. It, it's spelled differently. It is. It's spelled with an e instead of an i. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, I think that's how Saint Basil spelled. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So. Uh. But the the tell us a little the the the. Phrasing here implies that if there's a first Helvetic uh, con- uh, confession, that there is more than one. Uh, so what what what's what's Helvetic? Uh, what does that term mean? Well, I'm thinking it usually means Greek. Okay, yeah, I think I that's that rings true in my brain. Yeah, but I have to admit, 
no idea what this confession is or any later editions of it. Because it's Swiss, I presume it's part of the Anabaptist movement. It's part of the Reformation. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, sort of beyond our fence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We come later. <laughs> we kind of come simultaneously. That's, we kind of said, true. thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. We'll burn you, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, better, you better head back to Europe. We're not getting back into that that part of our yeah. church history. We would. Goodness. Um but yeah, uh, so uh, uh, evidence that 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 1536, as much as uh, as any time in our, in, in church past, uh, things were changing or okay. or everywhere uh, um, in the West, and and in in some ways very subtly so, and in others very uh, few ways, yeah, massively <laughs> like Mostly you know Titanic uh, kind of uh, yeah. shifts. The first uh, prayer book was in 1549, so it was in formation during this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we fast forward uh, almost a couple hundred, uh, two hundred years, uh, the Mennonite uh, uh, Mennonite individual, uh, ooh, I'm going to butcher this, Melchior uh, uh, Zaylor, uh is betrayed, captured, and bound in, of all places, Switzerland. <laughs> Not really what they're known for uh, these days. <laughs> That's true. Uh, at the instigation of a reformed churchman, so we're still in the. 200 years later, still dealing with now Reformation. Now they each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so Melchior's children and possessions are taken from him, and he is brought to Bern, B-E-R-N-E, Bern, B- oh, you know, oh, okay. the city, where he is sentenced to be transported to America. Huh. Yeah. So, like, think uh, story of Job only shipped, yeah. then shipped overseas. It's more joseph yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. Let's bind him and th- send so, him off. Uh, as horrible as that story is, I find it fascinating that it's still two, almost 200 years later from our first date. It's still Reformation related. Yeah. Uh, it, it, how long that goes on. Um, fast forward another 100 years. Uh, death. Uh, we see the death on Long Island of Quaker leader Elias Hicks. Uh, founder of the Hicksites, which is a group that I did not know existed, okay, I mean, but I don't either. Uh, it labels them as a more liberal branch of the Society of Friends. Quakers, yeah. Okay, uh, which sounds like a, an offshoot of the Justice League, but uh, okay. <laughs> uh, and that that group, I hope the Quakers, copyright. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, the Hicksites uh, rejected uh, creeds and taught progressive revelation. Uh, Hicks had been instrumental, though, in ridding the Quakers of slaves and in getting legislation passed that banned slavery in the state of New York. Fantastic. Yeah. So I found his story interesting. Uh, and uh, one more death uh, on our uh, on our uh, church list, history list here. In 1937, we see the death in New England of Emily Malbone Morgan, who founded the Society of the Companions of the Holy Cross. Uh, the Episcopal Church will commemorate her as a prophetic witness. Yeah. So, uh, so a little Episcopal Church uh, specific. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And I believe Holy Cross was the first Episcopal religious order. Mm. We we brought over from England a few. I think this was the first one founded in North America and continues to be very strong yeah. in in North America for both males and females. Yeah. And what was the name of the guy in Switzerland who was sent to America? Uh, that is uh, Mennonite, uh, the, the Mennonite Melchior Zaylor, Z-A-H-L-E-R. Well, the first name is more what I'm interested in. And I'll 
That's it. I'll just be brief. The Mennonites and the Amish felt the New Testament was too soft. Mm-hmm. And so unlike many other Christian traditions, name tended to use names from the Old Testament. Right. Right, right, right. And, and there's an example. So yeah, they didn't have John and Peter, but yeah, yeah, they had Ezekiel's and yeah, Melchior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's true to this day. Yeah, just go go through the uh, genealogy of the Old Testament. Uh, yeah. Those lists, you'll find a lot of Mennonite and Amish names. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just uh, one could be forgiven for thinking that, like, oh, this is this is this is more of the roll call for. <laughs> You know, rural Ohio, something. I was going to say Davies County, Indiana. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so, um, so that's a that's our those are our events in church history. A bunch of other uh, uh, dates <laughs> that I could have chosen, but a lot more. You know, seeing the death of this person yeah. and the death, death of that person, um, uh, which is not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> seems like it seems like the only the only dates we write down are when people die and then uh, uh well this information you give us is more useless but more entertaining <laughs> well let's move on to the more useful yeah stuff. uh or heretical depending on your point of view I, I suppose um let's move on to our first reading of the day which is comes from exodus chapter 34 verse 29 through 35 and this is uh we see ourselves in the middle of the moses story um Moses came down from Mount Sinai as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken to with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. The Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Um, it's kind of like a biblical uh, tanning regimen uh, <laughs> that we see here. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I recognize that the story is leading into aspects of the gospel story that we'll get to. Um, right. Um, the transfiguration of Jesus. Right, right. Which involves certain shining, uh, shininess. Um, <clears throat> but uh, uh, so this is... I. I if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the uh, this is after the first time he came down from Mount Sinai because if I'm not that's when he comes down and like throws the tablets because he sees right. everybody's been you know um, uh, worshiping a they golden calf a, yeah which they created it wasn't just a gold calf who came down the road <laughs> right 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 as one does see in <laughs> yeah. the wilderness around Sinai um, uh, so. This is this is the second time he's come down. This is after he basically poisoned them uh, by <laughs> making them eat the gold, making them drink the gold, <laughs> which is a fascinating aspect of that story. Um, but so there's a lot of attention paid to how shiny his skin was, uh, and uh, it, it, logistically, uh, uh, my joke aside, th- this is not a, a sunburn uh, because they're in the desert, so uh, getting. <laughs> Sun 
happens all the time. Yeah, he, he priority was deeply tanned. Yes. yes he was, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> so what's the significance? Is this, is this like a, is this a thing in uh, like a cultural thing of just something that kind of like developed over time of like, Hey, anybody who sees the face of God shines and because i mean you see that kind of in a lot of religious murals of like yeah uh, of uh any anybody who is is deemed holy uh uh will have like kind of a a radiance around their head more of a halo more of a halo what we would call a halo and the artist would you probably say that yeah and and what's what's fascinating is that the hebrew for this um look of moses is to put it nicely, obscure. Okay. And okay. Um, so we re- we really don't know exactly what the author was trying to say. Um, that's been translated in this translation, the skin of his face shone. Another English translation is his face was radiant. The same word could be translated as horn. So some... Um, Medieval art will show Moses with a horn coming out of his forehead. I, <laughs> I think that's a bad interpretation. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's further interesting in the idea that then putting a veil over it helps. <laughs> that, exactly. <laughs> oh, you guys don't like the horn? I'm just going to, let me just, this oddly shaped veil that like, protrudes up <laughs> need a bigger veil <laughs> better can, better do I we all agree this is better <laughs> this is much better right yeah yeah it, it is it, it's it it is odd I, I is it odd i don't know there's 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 something uh uh that strikes me about this portion of the story of like i i, I get the feeling moses likes this Be, just because like Anytime he goes up, he takes off the veil. Anytime he comes down, he puts the veil on. And like, uh, <laughs> you're making him sound like a fashion diva. I, in a way, in a way, because I mean, why? Why veil yourself in front of the Israelites? What's the well? Because it's freaking them out. Moses, <laughs> Moses walking around with a veil over his head. Like this is a, this is a this is a bagged. <laughs> <laughs> head bagged Moses. Is that Until any less holy land? Is I'm that not really my bag off? Is that really any less odd? Well, we don't know exactly how people dressed in that time, but if we look at Bedouins today, nomads in mm-hmm. the desert of the Middle East, they often have their face covered out of protection from sand and sun. Okay, so yeah. it, it could have been a, a relatively common way of. Dealing with the harshness of the desert. Hmm. Hmm. So it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think the people were like, where'd he get that lace suddenly? <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, the, 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 the subtle nuances of the story in verse 33, Moses is speaking to the Israelites, right? And then when he's done giving them God's commandments, then he puts up, puts the veil on. So he's kind of he's he's more acting as a as a herald, yeah. And so prophet, yeah, yeah. And so whenever he is divining what he has been told, he lets his 
glowing face shine. And then whenever he's done speaking, essentially he covers it back up until he goes and talks to God. It's it's just there, there's something something funky uh, going on with this story that I can't quite put my finger on. Um, well, but it's interesting. It's very it's it's a very interesting aspect because I I think when when most people think about the story of Moses and the wandering of the Israelites, you definitely remember like you know the the, the tablets, the golden calf. Uh, uh, parting the Red Sea. Parting the Red Sea. Manna, uh, you know. It, it, um, if you're in the advanced group, the burning bush. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not very often do you're like, oh, and, and he showed. Yeah. You're like, after talking to God on Mount Sinai, he started to glow. Yeah. Well, and the other thing interesting is we the word that is translated as veil, both within the Christian and Jewish traditions, we don't know what that word is. Mm. It's one of those Hebrew words that this is the only place it occurs anywhere. Huh. And so the early rabbis you know, or, you know, put their heads together and say, okay, in context, most, most likely this is a fabric and it's covering his face, so it's a veil. Yeah. Yeah. There have been a couple um, people a little more out there said, yeah, it was a mask. It was like a ceremonial mask, maybe with horns on it. <laughs> To take care of that raise, raise transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a hugely minority view. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine uh, Moses putting on like a Doctor Plague mask. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> well, it's the desert. Who wants to wear a heavy leather mask? Yeah, you want to talk about freaking people out? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather you glow. If yeah. you could just glow, that'd be a lot less off. Are you sweaty in there? <laughs> Feeling so uncomfortable. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> oh gosh, Moses, you really took a turn in your older age. I'm not sure about you, but not even there yet. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I have to admit, part of me likes the idea that it uh, it, it was a little bit uh, of fashion. I don't know. I don't know why. I like I like uh, the idea of just being like. Plus, it's pretty swanky. <laughs> I like it. I like the way this looks. I like this look. What can I say? Well, and there, there's one more dynamic that actually is significant. And that is that in most of the Middle Eastern religions, when a holy leader went into the presence of a deity, they put the veil on. Yeah. And yeah, actually, that's so a good that point. This, this demonstrates... How the one true God really does seek intimacy with the human race, hmm. mm-hmm. and you know, and Moses has a certain amount of um, social challenges because yeah. he didn't wear a veil. Um, in the you know, from the mid twentieth century onward, it was easy to talk about radioactivity and other gross things like that. But part, I think part of the point of it is that. God doesn't need people to be veiled in order mm. to be with God. So uh, I do like the idea that you just put out there that Moses is a radioactive superhero. Yeah, that I, was, I like it. That I like was it. Almost comic book ready in the 1950s. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, but I also uh, just just to further uh, my point that it, something's off is then this flies in the face of uh, the this little light of mine uh, uh, song. <laughs> Like Moses, don't hide your face under a bushel. Let's uh, you gotta you gotta let it shine, buddy. 
We, we want to be able to read the scrolls at night. Take the veil off. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Any, anything else though about this story? I mean, this this kind of it, it's in Exodus, so one would assume that this begins to kind of establish this idea of um, uh, radiating after seeing your deity. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure, though, based on like when it was written, uh, actually written down, whether or not that concept was already uh, well known or if this was kind of still establishing it when it was written. It was establishing it in a way it was establishing it in a more widespread way than it had been before. OK. And part of it is Moses was not of the priestly tribe. Right. Um, right, right. He was a, he was an everyday guy. And yet had this almost ultimate divine experience. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, anyone it has the potential for experiencing that if God chooses to do so. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, if you were to write the story, he is the unexpected hero. Oh, over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we often categorize Moses, again, with the abbreviated highlights and forget the whole start well medium start of his journey with god where he was a murderer yeah <laughs> it's like wait this uh, guy yeah. yeah yeah um yeah um moses definitely murderer uh it's 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 there at least uh, uh i wasn't i was i did not witness it so i can't testify that that necessarily is true but that's the way the story he goes he was well, yes, but that's the way the story goes. Oh, it okay. Was, Whether Moses did not write this portion yeah. of his own story in Exodus, uh, and nor did nor did someone who witnessed right. actual it's events. Newer than that. That's how the story goes. Uh, seems an odd thing to, you know, throw in there as a as a hook. Uh, <laughs> but and, and that's why we pay attention to it. Right. It is exactly exactly. Well, let's move on to our psalm reading for the day. Psalm ninety nine. Which I'm assuming, since uh, that's all that it says online, this is the whole song? I believe so. Cool. Yeah. Nine verses. Um, The Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord, our God, is holy. So we see the tie-in here to the first reading. Um, Moses was a priest? No. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, I didn't like, I think we literally just touched base on how he wasn't. Uh, so then why does this author say such things or is, is the, is the author trying to, I mean, you could, you, one would be forgiven for like reading the first, the, the old Testament story, 
and saying like, hey, look, whether he was part of the priestly tribe or not, pretty priestly to go <laughs> and speak to God directly uh, and then uh, come out the other side and, and divine what uh, the, the, their maker has said. <laughs> so kind of fulfilling the role, uh, whether whether he was part of the tribe or not. Well, technically, at the time of Moses, the priestly role was really vague mm. because there was no temple. Okay, that's that's fair. And the, the priestly duties and practices really didn't take a firm shape until there was temple worship, until, until they had an office to work out of. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's another reason why it's hard to say um, that Moses was a priest, it's like, how? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, 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 uh, I suppose it, it's fair to say, like, it's not like others necessarily were then at that time. I mean, if, as you pointed out, if you don't have a temple, then you don't really have priests. Mm-hmm. That's you, you have holy men. Yeah, but and there was the the multiplication of God's spirit on the leaders that's that takes place when Moses starts to complain about he's, how he's overworked. But I don't believe they're specifically referenced as priests. Hmm. I'm, I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. Like I said, yeah, de- definitely a holy man of some, uh, of sorts, as yeah. they point out in the story, uh, um, you know, uh, they were, they were called, uh, God spoke to them through a pillar of cloud. Yeah. That's all, you know, all these things. Yeah. You think about the Moses story, a lot of, Holy interactions, yeah. and, uh, and they're, they hadn't specialized yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> into prophets and priests and um, singers of songs and the various other holy roles. Right. So, you know, get to the Book of Psalms again. These are hymns for corporate worship, and so it's it's perfectly acceptable to pull in imagery that not may not be completely accurate as long as it moved the singers. The okay. Congregation. Uh, what What do we know about this psalm? Like the the history of it? Do we have any background information? It's let's see the I think it's the fourth of the what's called uh, kingly psalms. Mm. Um, it's the last one. I know that. I don't know if it's the fourth, but it 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 uses imagery of God as king. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, that it does uses that pat that metaphorical pathway into praising God. Okay. Okay. And you know, saying, why is God worthy of praise? Because God is a lover of justice. Um, mm-hmm. And the other images that are used. Yeah. We, uh, we, we see besides God, uh, the Psalm only talks about Moses, Aaron, and Samuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any significance in, in the fact that it's, uh, just those those three. There are other sort of priestly is. people by the time that this uh, this uh, psalm was written, right? right? Oh yeah, um, and this is the only place that anywhere in the Bible where those three folks are grouped together. Really? Okay. In yeah, um, there are a lot of places where there's Moses and Aaron. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of places where there's Samuel and any number of other prophets. Mm-hmm. But this is the one place where all three are put together. Hmm. And because it's the only place, it's hard to say why they did it, why why the composers of this psalm did that. But they did. 
Um, and as we were just talking about, Moses is usually described as a servant of God rather than a priest. Aaron and Aaron is almost always described as a priest because Moses will delegate any worship stuff to him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Samuel can be has been described as both priest and prophet. Mm. So in a way, he's the linking character between Aaron and Moses. Okay. That's just a guess, though, as to why that um, imagery was used. Mm. Uh, and, and certainly Samuel's one of the greatest prophets. I mean, it's, right, right, it's right. very good company to be in. Um, in verse 8, uh, it, it uh, indicates, uh, O Lord our God, you answered them, speak, speaking about Moses and Aaron and Samuel, you are forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. What's uh, what's the author talking about? What what wrongdoings are we talking about? Anything specific? I mean, I know no. surely they had wrongdoings. I mean, we j did just talk about how Moses started off starts off the story murdering a guy. Oh yeah, so not, yeah, he's not talking about others. Mm -hmm. um, he's instead talking about the um, the avenging the wrongdoings of people like the Egyptians. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. I still like the idea. So, so God's an avenger. He's part of the, uh, he's part of the Marvel universe. I didn't say choose a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> Answering the age old question, who wins in a fight? Uh, 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 Superman or God? God, of course he's an avenger. Um, actually the answer would be God doesn't need to. <laughs> right. 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 Um, what? The, okay. But to, I'm just, looking at a footnote in my Bible that that clause that we're talking about now is problematic for translators. Oh. Um, and I'm just, uh, it, what has been translated in the new revised standard version as avenge um, could have been, could be translated in other translations is, and you'll like this one better purify. Ooh. Okay. So then the Israelites would be the object of that verb. Okay. That the Israelites mm -hmm. were purified of their sins. Got it. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it, it's, it, it, the word avenger uh, uh, gives the reader kind of an odd set of actions but, uh, to yeah. imagine God partaking in. Like, well, and again, we, it's, a, it's a difficult set of Hebrew words to translate. So tra translating is legitimately hard. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's easy for, for, for us to sit there and be like, how hard could it possibly be? But unless you're in the world of translating, you like there, there are even today, you know, translating from any number of widely used languages into another, a translator will tell you like, uh, it's, it's, right. it's kind of like this word in your language, but it's, it's got a, uh, a certain something else, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard. It's like talking to a five-year-old. You said, blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah, but I didn't mean that. Right, right. There's a certain context in the words that yeah. I just used. And... No context, no context. You said, right. Literal translation. Come on, make it easy. Plain and simple. 
one to one. Apples and apples to apples, oranges to oranges. Yeah, um, and, and one of the things we uh, can easily forget is that when, by the time the Roman Empire fell, Hebrew was no longer a living language. Mm. It was only a liturgical scriptural language. So unlike the New Testament, where simultaneously Greek, which the New Testament was written in, Greek was a living language that we have lots and lots of documents from, so we can see context of how words are used and that sort of thing. Hebrew, we only have the Bible, and fortunately, since the Dead Sea Scrolls, some um, other Hebrew documents. Not all the Dead Sea Scrolls are in Hebrew. But yeah, it makes it, if you have a problematic passage like we've now had in both readings today, it kind of stays problematic. Yeah, yeah, there's just not enough. Yeah, not enough uh, pieces to that puzzle yeah. um, uh, to 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 fully fill it out. Um, so you had mentioned uh, what was the 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 fourth of the this is the fourth psalm of, oh, of, of the King, kingly psalms. Kingly psalms. Does that mean like it was these psalms might be part of like a the installation of the king like that kind of ceremonial or no? They're they would have been kind of like our Gloria in our worship. Oh, okay. These days in the Episcopal Church, Roman Catholic, etc., songs of praise. Okay. Using specifically kingly imagery for God. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. It's, uh, like a, it's a subgenre within this book of Psalms. Yeah. Anything else about Psalm 99? Fascinating Psalm. Recommend it highly. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. Yes, um, <laughs> definitely. Let's move on to our gospel reading. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 43a. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling, dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. Um, one can see why 
the second half of this reading is alternate. Like, use it, don't use it. Yeah. Uh, Transfiguration Sunday, one would think, like, hey, let's focus on the Transfiguration. Um, second half kind of is like, hey, whoa, what's this? Does this? What does this have to do with the other part? Um what does it have to do with the other part? Uh, why do why 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 is it an option to include? Because that's kind of an interesting, like uh, it's almost a downer uh, yeah. of, a, of a story, uh, especially since you, since you have uh, Jesus saying uh, the phrase "you faithless and perverse generation." Yes. Oh, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> Literally coming down from the high on our on the mountain. Uh, uh, and then you say that that's, uh, okay. All right. Sorry. What happened up there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, the, it's been, <laughs> okay. Jesus has this magnificent experience and comes down the mountain and hears that his own disciples could not have taken care of this fairly minor problem. Hmm. And so it's kind of like a, yeah, 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 you're pretty high and mighty, but your work is failing. Yeah. Okay. So, so in, in verse 41, that phrase is really more geared towards the disciples. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say like, I, I, it's not, yeah, it's not the pop song. I want, yeah. I want to make sure that we're, we're clear then that he's not like staring at this father who's trying to, uh, you know, heal his son. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, he, and Jesus says this to his face. Yeah. Like, wait, me? My, Why would you say this? My bad day just got a lot worse. <laughs> right. Okay. So he's, which but, makes sense. But there have been through the centuries, many people wanting to protect the disciples' reputations. Mm. And so have applied it, those words to the father. Why, why would you try to protect the disciples' reputations? There, there's so many other great <laughs> examples of like, they were hit and miss at best. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. Well, part of it is in so many Christian traditions, um, not just Roman Catholic, the leadership ties their own reputation to the apostles by saying they are the inheritors of the apostles' authority. Ah, uh, okay. And so anything that makes the apostles' authority look deficient is either ignored or blamed on someone else. Look, uh, just take your lumps and admit that you're 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 not perfect. Yeah. And let's uh, let's move on. Neither were the apostles. <laughs> exactly. Neither, neither were the apostles. Um. So so in this story, so so this this does color it uh, and, and make a little bit of sense as to why it's tied to the other because. In the Transfiguration story, we have uh, kind of you know the foreshadowing, the the the, yeah. the of what's to come. Of they even reference it in in uh, this uh, this gospel reading from Luke of like his departure, uh, like so meaning his crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah. So so in a way, one can understand why Jesus is just kind of like exasperated, like. Yeah, <laughs> come down. Like I just had this experience where I am prepping for to to yeah. leave. You guys have got to get your act together. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, clock is ticking. Yeah, we can kind of imagine like this is this being like a uh, uh, almost like an administrative interaction of like, <laughs> hey Jesus, uh, we couldn't. We, yeah, we, we it, it looks hard, so we. <laughs> 
We decided to wait until you came down from the mountain. We're like, come on, buddy. I'm jammed that photocopy. Right. You don't need to go to your boss for everything. Yeah. I have given you certain job responsibilities, and I expect you to fulfill them without me here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and that's what kind of the, is going on here. Uh, and, Very much so. Uh, all, all were astounded at the greatness of God, which in a way is like... Oh, shoot. Well, that's this doesn't help uh, <laughs> well, you being able to do this and them not being able to do this just means that their people are going to continue to come to you and not to them. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's it's fascinating to me to combine to really hold together. Verse 35, the voice from the then from the cloud, a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Combining that with this, the. Um, yeah, we can do it. Um, when Jesus had already told them, you can do this. Yeah. And so it's like God saying, I know you're ignoring him. I know you're doubting what you can do. For goodness sake, listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus is going to almost say, Dad said. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let's let's leave that part of the, uh, the the story and and come back to the central focus of the Sunday and this reading, which is transfiguration. Uh, again, we see the glowing of Jesus. Uh, 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 his clothes become dazzling white, um, and uh, so very much mirrors our first uh, reading. Yeah. Uh, uh, Furthering my my point, uh, Jesus didn't care for the frills of a veil uh, right. when he was done. Uh, um, uh, but uh, it kind of does uh, it, it it is set up in such a way as to maybe call into question whether or not the disciples were meant to see any of this. Huh? I haven't um, thought of that before. Uh, yeah, because yeah. of you know, oh, they were tired, but you know, they were they. They did decide to stay awake, and they they, they happened to catch a glimpse mm-hmm. of uh, of this. And God bless them. Uh, Peter uh, says again something dumb, uh, <laughs> but admittedly, like the the gospel reading says that it's dumb, right? Um, it's not. I, I don't know as if I would have necessarily been like, let's build houses for it. <laughs> um, but a beautiful spot for a development, right? But if Moses land, <laughs> we could sell tickets. Um, but you know, I, I I imagine I would say something equally stupid if I was confronted with the ghost of Moses and the I don't know what you would call it of Elijah. Yeah. You know, I would I I don't know what I would, I'm sure I would say something equally dumb or found to be equally dumb at least. Um, but it does kind of give this imagery that the first idea that uh, that the the mere mortals have is to somehow capture this moment to like bottle mm-hmm. it and right. preserve it in some way shape or form I, I I believe that um I've heard some people explain the reason why um they wanted to, like he he suggests building homes is really more or houses is really more like uh oh this this place is holy like yeah. this this is preserved not, not so much ground. a not so much homes but essentially like a some sort of temple like structure yeah. yeah um because 
No. You know, who knew? <laughs> Moses and Elijah, they've been here on this mountain the whole time. We should, <laughs> you know, this is where the temple should be. This yeah. is where uh, we should be praying. This is where, let you know, let's let's uh, let's get it going. Let's set the altar over here. Let's, you <laughs> and know. And then it's like, where'd they go? <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so, um, so, so I understand kind of like where he's coming yeah. from. Um, and, and there are two other things. One, one you just touched on that within um, mainline Judaism at the time, the only place for big time worship, especially sacrifices, was the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, who were um, second class Jews, did worship on mountaintops, mm-hmm. as Gospel of John will refer to, but we also know historically. Um, and so, in a sense, so this is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, a note that you can worship God somewhere besides the temple, right? And that will be blessed because the temple is about to be destroyed. Um, look out! The and then the the offer to build these shacks is a reference to the Exodus story of the uh, Israelites escaping slavery in Egypt. That to this day, many Jews, uh, when marking that festival, will build a booth, mm. as they're called, mm-hmm. in their backyard or at the synagogue or whatever to remind themselves of what it was like to be in the wilderness and totally reliant upon God. Mm. So... Probably Peter was not thinking of building a, a stone temple, but instead these booths to remind them of this monumental experience of God that echoes Moses's glowing face mm-hmm. in the desert of Sinai. Uh, the one thing about the temple interpretation that, that it leads me to, though, that I kind of like is that if you're going the t- you know, the three dwellings really being more like a, a site, the site of worship and, 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 a, and a temple, then the story is no, it's temp, the temple is no longer right. relevant, which is, which is kind of mirrored at the, at the end of uh, uh, the crucifixion story. Right. When the, 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 the um, temple is torn into, yeah, yeah uh, the, the veil and the, yeah. the temple is torn into, yeah. um, uh, but, uh, this story kind of indicates like, no, 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 that's not it. Jesus is the temple. Right. And wherever he goes is where mm-hmm. is where the uh, holy spots are. Right. Exactly. Uh, so I kind of like that imagery, which is why, you know, mm-hmm. Elijah and Moses disappear. Yeah. And the cloud says, no, no, no. Listen right. to this dude. Right. <laughs> I know you saw Moses and Elijah and, and, and we can have a whole fun discussion on yes. the side of whether or not you were supposed to even see that. <laughs> ignore <laughs> ignore the ghostly figures behind the curtain pay attention to jesus uh, uh which is uh again for the second half of the story the 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 message that the uh disciples down the mountain could have used right right <laughs> wait wait what uh, and i just i just gotta say with your were they supposed to see this mm-hmm. i think god could say um they're awake again <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Jesus, Jesus, they're 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 stirring over. They're awake. They're awake. Huh? What? Oh, uh. <laughs> this is my grandpa. Is that? Wait, is that Moses? Is that Elijah? 
And, which also does beg the question. Peter doesn't know, right. There's not a you know a picture right of Moses or Elijah. What like what did, what made him think? Well, and that's that's part again. Uh, it's another way in which this is a very helpful lesson about um, epiphanies mm-hmm. that we'll know when we know mm-hmm. that yeah they had no idea. There's no reason they would know by sight that this was Elijah and Moses. Instead, it was the Holy Spirit moving in them that gave them that realization. That or that or we're missing a verse, you know, because because <laughs> they the, verse thirty two does say they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And then in the next verse, Peter knows who they are. So either either uh, uh, I mean, one could imagine Peter would go, uh. Who are these guys? They're, they're not with us. Who are like? What's going where, on? Where they and why do they yeah. look so weird? Uh, and Jesus could have then very easily been like, "Oh, this is Sam <laughs> and his friend Jonathan." <laughs> I don't know. Um, they, they're the caterers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So l- let me ask you though this question: at Transfiguration. Uh, means that something has changed. Right. I'm not like as as But it's not a transformation. Okay, yes. So what's the difference? Because this kind appearance. of appearance. Okay. I was okay. I was because I was gonna say this is more of in, in my mind the story is more of the ultimate epiphany. Exactly. That, that, exactly. That the change occurs by way of the humans yeah. <laughs> who are in the story that this isn't really nothing really altered with Jesus right. him, himself. So this is more of a, this was meant for the witnessing apostles. Right. And so that's why I think God would have noticed that they were awake or not because God was waiting for them to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Maybe they, maybe the story, the, the real story is they dozed off and Jesus had to wait. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe it was like weeks before. Yeah. It's like, well, you guys, please. I was going to do this last Tuesday, yeah. but you were so tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moses is getting pretty crabby. <laughs> you know how he can be. Right. <laughs> you think you can just call on me anytime he's you need me? I was busy, man. <laughs> he's going to start smashing some tablets. <laughs> um, Wake up, smash. <laughs> Come on, man. I got things to do back in heaven. Um, anything else about this uh, this passage that you would like to point out? It's a wrap-up of Jesus' Galilean ministry. Okay. So, so he really is heading towards Jerusalem after this. Okay. And so it's so a good news, bad news thing. Right. Of, right, right, right. He gets the reassurance from Moses and Elijah and the voice of God, and then comes down the mountain and gets the slap in the face of all you've been working towards isn't working completely. Right. And part of that is for us as readers to say, to be able to answer the question, why did Jesus die and be, and resur- and be resurrected? Mm. Because even as Jesus was teaching well and performing miracles and stuff, people still weren't getting it. Right. That wasn't it was never going to, it was never going to be enough. Yeah. I mean, Jesus could have lived forever and walked among us and yeah. it still wouldn't, it would never be enough. There yeah. have to be some, well, Some maybe living forever would have been enough of a miracle. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Not. maybe. maybe. 
I, I don't know. I can very easily imagine this day and age people, uh, yeah. people going like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> He's always been there. What's new and shiny? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many how many of the Gospels does the Transfiguration take place in? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay. So, uh, so, so, so those are the big, you know, that's that's important. And they're, they're almost identical in wording. Okay. So that, that shows it was a really, um, in terms of Christianity, ancient story. Yeah. Uh, do do they all take place in the same timeline? Because yeah. I know that uh, some, some of them do a little funkiness them. with the, how things are arranged in, in, in their order. Um, they all they all happen shortly before uh, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Yeah. Though <laughs> only in Luke does Moses and Elijah talk to him about what's going to happen mm, in Jerusalem. Okay. 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 Um, but the readers know, right? Right. We all we know. We know. we know. We know how this ends. Unfortunately, yeah. Or fortunately, depending on yeah. You. Both. Yeah. It's a shame that it had to happen, but it's also a great blessing. Yeah. Um. Well, very good. Well, with that, I think we'll call to a close now with the realization that it's us who are transfigured. Yes. Uh, by this story. Uh, and we'll call to a close this your podcast for February 27th, 2022, Transfiguration Sunday in Year C. Uh, and uh, we look forward to worshiping with you, however uh, it works for your uh, you know, schedule. Uh, 8 and 10 on Sunday is in person, live and in person. Uh, we just this Sunday reintroduced a form of uh, the chalice, mm-hmm. uh, which is very exciting after so many months. Um uh, we're passing the plate again, so come and come and see. Come and see I the changes. Like that, but yeah. I, I, look, changes, I, changes, I, yes. trans, trans. That those are transformations. Yes. <laughs> so, I would say passing the piece. Passing the piece is also yeah. yeah. But um, all these things are optional, so yeah, you know, yeah. If you're not comfortable doing them, you don't have to. Sure. So come worship with us in person if you're not able to, uh, uh, or if you prefer not to. Uh, we, yeah. we uh, our ten o'clock service will still be broadcast live on YouTube. Uh, at our channel HFEC videos, all together one word. So, uh, and until next week, oh, I oh, you don't have to wear a veil, no matter how radiant you are. Come but we see. do still have masks. I should. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're right. Please wear <laughs> so your veil. Please wear your veil. <laughs> <laughs> we should clarify. <laughs> you don't have to cover your face, but you do have to cover your mouth. Yes. Uh, uh, but you know what? It's, Soon, soon I hope. Yes. Soon I hope. Uh, but even if your eyes are bright and shiny, right, you don't have to cover them. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for rescuing. <laughs> don't want you to get in yeah. any more trouble than you will already do. Um, uh, until next week, I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>